This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger has been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I will love it if we beat them. This is football heritage. Con Giovanni, yeah, incredible. Dribble, 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 dribble. If you don't know the answer to that question, then I think you're, you, you, are, you are an ostrich. On last week's show, we evaluated the Bucky's favourites to replace Unai Emery at Arsenal. At this stage, the Spaniard had yet to even be sacked by the club, but on Friday morning following a 2-1 defeat at home to Eintracht Frankfurt the previous evening, Arsenal announced the sacking of Emery after 18 months in charge of the club. Good evening and welcome to the Total Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tegan Heron, and joining me is Andrew Conway. Good evening. Uh, Andrew, what next for Arsenal? What next uh, for the club, really? Well, we should acknowledge our clairvoyance at Emery definitely getting sacked in all of this. Yeah, see, it was a strange one as well because, like, in the lead-up to the match on Thursday, we all kind of knew that he was a dead man walking. Like, it was... I think it was on Tuesday I first heard that it was penciled in that he was about yeah. to be sacked on Friday morning, and well, then cancelled his engagement. For, he had an engagement on Friday morning to at some event, and it had been cancelled on his behalf. So that's that's probably a bad sign, right there. Uh, it seemed like everyone in the world knew Emery was going to be sacked on Friday, except for Emery, who it was initially reported took training on yeah. Friday morning, but he did not. In yeah, fact, he was, he was pulled away from training, and it was given to Freddie Umberg while he was sacked. Um, apparently he, the decision was made last weekend uh, or before last weekend before the the match against two, Southampton. Southampton that they drew two all two all is becoming a result for Arsenal yeah it was Freddie Lumberg uh, then took charge on Sunday against uh, relegation candidate Norwich and they yeah. drew two all there as well Norwich look impressive in some ways yeah like, to be fair Norwich played well the week before against Everton another relegation yeah. candidate so and they won they won that match and uh, yeah, they they actually this is the first match this season in which Norwich have scored the first goal and not won their their fixture. So yeah, they were unfortunate not to win the match in the end, like because they they had chances. Uh, Burnt Leno was man of the match for Arsenal during the match, really. Yeah, Leno pulled off, especially at two all. He pulled off a couple yeah. of really impressive saves. He went onto the post. You know, there like Arsenal had very good chances as well. There was at least three shots cleared off the line by Norwich players. So, but like. <laughs> When you're looking at the match, it looked like two struggling in Premier League. Like it was an old-fashioned six-pointer between. Like usually, you get those matches between the likes of uh, Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. Uh, Aston Villa, yeah, it's exactly that kind of match. But yet, we saw that match a couple of occasions over the weekend over perceived big teams. Like really, Spurs were very fortunate to get away with a victory. Manchester United were very lucky to get away with a draw. Yeah, United were in, in particular were abysmal. I didn't get to see Tottenham because I was watching Chelsea, but Man United were just it was grim, and it's going to be a grim week for them, really, considering they play Tottenham midweek and then Manchester City on Saturday. And also, Chelsea lost a fairly unconvincing performance against a team whose manager was unlikely to be there in a couple of weeks. Yeah, like that's the kind of result. Like you, you know, it's bad when you lose to a team, and the, the reports coming out of it is like, oh, well, that win just saved that manager's job. Yeah. Well, it almost felt like, you know, right before someone dies, the last bit of energy they had was given out for, in that match. And it kind of felt like that, like a debutant goalkeeper who cried at full time. Who, that, that was nice in fairness. Yeah, but like it's, you're looking at poor narratives. Like West Ham didn't play too well in that match. There was a couple of, you know, Mikel Antonio, who plays everywhere from right back to midfield to wing to centre forward and back at centre forward again. Um, it's, a, it's a strange team that West Ham have at the moment. They're, they're all over the place. And it's just kind of, it's a it's a very it's a microcosm of the whole league that everyone's kind of all over the place. Like you have teams the likes of Sheffield United and Wolves who have not by any stretch of the imagination had overly impressive seasons. Like really they haven't. They've had fairly oh all right seasons, especially for Sheffield United. Yeah, the, rel- but, relative to their level, they're yeah, having a but good Wolves, season compared to last season. Wolves haven't dug up any trees or anything like that, and they're what they're they're fifth or sixth. The, the only thing for Wolves is they're doing well and they're doing well in Europe. That is that yeah. that's where they are yeah, and so that happy. Count I guess. For something towards it, but at the same time, like they like it's it's turning into um, bar the top three teams, and even one of those teams isn't performing that well at the moment either. Bar those top three sides: Liverpool, Leicester, Man City. Everyone else is kind of having a, a quite of a an inconsistent at best league season. Like my Arsenal haven't won in eight matches. Even bringing Freddie Umberg, he's he brought Grana Chaka back into it, he brought Shogram Safi back into the team. They still have the old problems. He may have improved their attacking kind of shape 
and they had created a lot more chances for, from direct play. Their set pieces, for some bizarre reason, have improved dramatically in one match under Freddie Jumberg as opposed to the way it was run under Emery for the last 18 months. Well, set pieces has been, has been kind of Arsenal's outlet where they actually score goals this season because they look like they just don't know how to score during open yeah, play, but, but from set pieces... Play, really, it's... It, Fire a few create like Martinelli's assist for Lacazette against Southampton. It's mostly been kind of breakages of the the breaking ball in the box after a set play has been taken or near enough to a set play, and that's kind of Arsenal scored a lot of times. Season two goals again from that one corner, one a retaken penalty, which is a bit of a weird one, but I suppose they happen. Yeah, I suppose like that is just the rules. There's not really much Norwich could do about that, and you could actually see. I can't remember who the referee. I think it was Paul Tierney. It was you could tell he was looking for encroachment as well. well in he a way told that them all before it went, before it happened. I'm watching. And, and, and yet eight. No, not eight. I think it was about six Norwich players. One Arsenal player was kind of in between all of the six encroached, and it was like if the ball had been hit wide, I don't think he would have given re- given a retake. No, it's only if the ball rebounds back. Because if it, if it had been scored, which the second one was, there's no reason to retake it yeah, either. Exactly. And I think that was kind of... The, the thinking behind it was like, well... And I know um, a funny thing happened as well, if you actually see the replay, after that first penalty is missed, Lacazette loses his loses his cool with Aubameyang. Starts shouting and screaming at him because he didn't follow his penalty through. Because I think... like, And it's fair to say... The, that wasn't particularly well saved, well palmed away. If Aubameyang had followed the flight of the ball after he kicked it, he would have got the rebound. Well, yeah, probably. But right, yeah, but it's, like, it, it's, it's, it's irrelevant now. Because... Lacazette had a bad match as well. Like it's fun, like to bring it all back. It's funny how all of these teams with all of their amazing talents, like the likes of Marcus Rashford, who got that weird assist for that uh, Tom Heaton own goal against Aston Villa, how. These big players, Lacazette amongst them, Ozil amongst them, uh, the Chelsea, entire Chelsea front, you know, attacking players are all mis- misfiring in a weird way. They're not playing tremendously badly. It's not like they're, they couldn't hit a barn do- door with a, what's the phrase, with a banjo? But they're, none of them are really playing well. And it's it's like the, the Simpsons thing where um, Monty Burns suffers nine misfortunes in one night. Or is it eight misfortunes? I can't. Daryl Strawberry can still play. Uh, he suffers eight misfortunes. It's like all of these teams are suffering multiple misfortunes of none of their players really pulling it off. It, 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 like usually it doesn't happen like this, but it's basically all of these like mid-ranking teams, which it's fair to say Manchester United, Spurs, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal are all in that group now. All of them are having this misfortune of form where none of them can really get things going. They're getting punished whenever they make a mistake. As opposed in, all, in other years where, you know, these big teams, kind of the luck, the run of the luck goes with them. And they win most of these games because the luck goes their way. And in this case, Arsenal got luck in that match and they still couldn't manage to win it. Uh, Man United got luck in their match, still couldn't manage to win it. Chelsea lost their match, despite having a, a fair few amount of chances. Spurs got a bit of luck and you consider that maybe that's that's in line with their season so far. And, like, there, there's no science in it. There's no... You know, there's no, it's not following the normal trend of things. Well, the thing with Chelsea is, and they are that bit further ahead than the likes of Man United and Arsenal, like they were without Tammy Abraham, and you really actually saw how important he is to the side when you put in Olivier Giroud instead, because yeah. they are completely different kind of strikers, and Giroud right. just offered absolutely nothing to Chelsea, and while he was on the pitch, they didn't look like scoring. It was only when he came off that they forced David Martin into a couple of saves, and yeah. Pedro as well came into the side, and Pedro, Pedro had one good chance a few years ago you would have banked on him scoring and he just scuffed it kind of at David Martin and you really wonder like why is he in the team like he is just that bit older that he is kind of past it in a way that Willian isn't quite there yet yeah. uh, so Abraham I think is expected to come back midweek yeah, um, it's, it's a to- yeah. I'd be worried about him because a hip injury is a dangerous one to get Yeah. so it is, it is a bit worrying for him and Chelsea are they remember they can't sign anyone so they are very much they've they've changed the design of the team to move away from that old big centre forward like Diego Costa, Didier Drogba mould, Olivier Giroud mould into this fast mobile attacking unit. And Pulisic was doing a lot of that on his own against West Ham. He did create a few chances from just running at these at players and doing things from. But he was lacking that foil that kind of Tammy Abram has provided in recent months. Um, so it is very worrying. Chelsea are very susceptible to losing a couple of players because they don't they don't have a huge strength and depth. And if their plan A doesn't work as it didn't say against Manchester United on a couple of occasions this season, as it did didn't against Man City, as it didn't against Liverpool as well, that was another defeat they had. 
you can see how frail they can become. And against West Ham, once you know they didn't have that quick up and at them attack, they didn't offer much else. Uh, but the like the the good thing for them is that they they do have that bit of a yeah. gap, and the fact that everyone around them is such a mess. Yeah, like, like they'd still be at the moment. Like I wouldn't have said it at the beginning of the season because I thought there there was limitation in their squad. There's limitations to Frank Lampard. There was limitations to their uh, their kind of compatibility against different levels of teams. As you can see, a hard a hard to nails team like they did against Sheffield United and like they did against West Ham. They're tough to beat, and against some of these more open smaller teams that are a bit slower in defence they, they rampage through them but against other teams they struggle but they don't need to worry about it because at the moment who, who's going to catch them Wolves and then even like we talk about Liverpool and Leicester but like Manchester City drop points yeah. as well against you know uh, Newcastle side that we have often criticised this season yeah. because well, they're just not fairness, very good in fairness I, I, I raised the point about Man City and Newcastle last season. I will gi- I will give you that, but you know we've been very openly be critical of Newcastle so far this season. And they did play quite well against Man City relative to their other performances. And they've got some big results this season because yeah. they did win at White Hart Lane and they beat Man United as well at home. Yeah. So they, they are proving a bit of a tricky opponent for top sides. Man City looked tired in that match, I thought. I thought they weren't there. They, for a long time up until because it was Kevin De Bruyne who put City ahead but it was kind of a freak goal like you can't like it, it yeah, just kind of happened he, goal, he just yeah. kind of hit it you, you can't account for that kind of goal when you're defending against it but up until that point I was kind of looking at City wondering like do they actually want to win this match like they mm. they were they were playing as if they were already 3 or 4-0 up which was a criticism of them last year but it was a criticism of last year in the sense that they were resting on one nil leads yeah. now they're resting on one all draws away at Newcastle like yeah. they just don't look like they want to put up that fight to Liverpool because they're now 11 points behind their third they're what two three points behind Leicester City themselves yeah, three I think yeah. like they is is it the fact that they are focusing on the Champions League or is this side just kind of fed up with Pep as it come to the end of the cycle well, in much the same way it did at Barcelona I'm not necessarily think it's at that level yet I, th- I think there, there's mitigating circumstances going on at Man City. Uh, to use the old phrase, City don't like it up them. And I think there was a bit of that in Newcastle. Newcastle played very direct, old school football. In an in like it wasn't a nice day. It was swirling wind. It was unpleasant. It was cold. Man City had a game in midweek. They have another game coming up in midweek. They're still suffering from a lot of injuries in that team, like defensively. Moreover, and I think. <laughs> With, with a with a more functional defence probably neither goal would have happened because you could see especially for the John Joe Shelby goal City receded into their box to defend to the set piece they weren't confident that they're because they don't have a tall centre back really that's effective in the air so they kind of receded to try and get every man behind the ball leaving that space for John Joe Shelby to hit and hope because that was a bit of a fluke as well in a more normalised Man City side they would have been out pressing him immediately and the ball would never have gone to John Joe Shelby so you're kind of there is circumstances going on. I think they are going to focus on Champions League now. Even Ben Foden or Phil Foden, not Ben Foden, Phil Foden after the match, they have to win every game between now and the end of the season to have a chance, and that's probably true at this point. But when you look at them now playing in the Premier League, like they really need to up their level uh, if they are to win the Champions League. And like having said that, a lot of the teams in the Champions League aren't impressive in the manner in the in the manner that like kind of Chelsea and Tottenham aren't very impressive this season but you'd still in a two-legged situation you'd still back the likes of Real Madrid or Barcelona to just do City because of the way City are playing at the moment yeah and you look at City and under Pep you know despite the fact he has won multiple cup competitions this is going to sound like a ridiculous statement but he's never really fostered that cup mentality he always it's a marathon for Pep it's not a sprint and he always kind of not bores opposition into submission but he always it's like uh, death by a thousand cuts death by a thousand passes and I don't know how well that suits against the, you know if something goes wrong in a cup match like could in a knockout Champions League affair where oh you you suddenly lose a goal to Spurs or you go a few goals down like they did and you have to hold on to a lead or you have to score a goal and that suddenly that pressure turns on Pep and maybe he overthinks things for that reason I think they still aren't the favourites at all for the Champions League this season probably not in the top three or four you'd, you'd back other teams ahead of them but you don't have to be the best team in Europe to win the Champions League Man- Real Madrid proved that multiple times in the last five years like uh, Barcelona to an extent probably proved it under Luis Enrique 
you you just don't have to be that. And then once you're in the latter stages of the court tournament, anything can happen. So I think it all depends on their draw, whether they can avoid those kind of banana skins of, well, they're not banana skins, but, you know, those war-weary teams like Real Madrid, like Juventus, like Barcelona, that, you know, would probably overturn the City side just based on experience and sheer willpower that City, I don't think, have. They don't have that bite in their cup performances, that's for sure. Yeah, bite has been something that like that's often been criticised of City that they lack that that they, as you said, City don't like it up them uh, kind of Although phrase. Kevin De Bruyne looked awful angry when he scored that goal. He is an angry man, but he I don't is. know how much he, he giving actually. Giving it to the Gallagher end, I think. Was it the Gallagher end he scored? He was giving it to the Newcastle fans anyway. I'm not sure how much he really likes getting feisty though. Either he's a man, he's a bit short tempered, kind of. Not in the sense that he, he get himself sent off, but you can see he's gotten angry at people in the yeah. past. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the best VAR moment of the season I think happened this weekend in the, the Leicester-Everton match did you see this? Poor Everton uh, Ever- yeah a team Marco Silva just has no look at the moment uh, if yeah. this is the moment that consigns him to to a sacking it'll be very unfortunate yeah. but it was a great moment of VAR because uh, listen if you haven't seen it Kelechi and Acho uh, came off the bench against Everton with uh, with Leicester one all. Never like, plays really for Leicester. He, he never really does. Like it's the first time I've heard of him in ages. But yeah. uh, they were one all against Everton. That they scored an equaliser about 10-15 minutes beforehand, and Kelechi came through on goal. It was a nice finish uh, against Jordan Pickford, but it was ruled out. The flag was pulled up for offside, but obviously the ref let it play. Didn't know the whistle, yeah. uh, which is a similar thing happened in the United game actually, which is interesting. Uh, but then VAR went to check it. Uh, Kelechi kind of celebrated a little bit, but then he saw the flag and, you know, the classic disappointment of, oh, no, it was offside or whatever. But then after, like, a 30-second, 60-second review on VAR, it did turn out that it was a goal. Yeah. And everyone jumped on Brennan Rogers. then. It was a great yeah. big celebration, last-minute winner. Like, uh, it really... Uh, is that the moment they win the league? It is the moment <laughs> they win the league. Imagine if Leicester beat Liverpool to the league this season. It would <laughs> be uh, it would be quite funny just from an outsider's point of yeah. view, just, like... Like, of course this happens to Liverpool. Does, it could only happen to Liverpool. This might be a bigger question, but does Leicester winning the league this season devalue Claudio Ranieri winning yeah. the league? It kind of does in one way. Yeah. Uh, it was funny against everyone else. I didn't get the chance to read this actually, but Michael Cox raised a good point on The Athletic about how Leicester and Everton are tied together uh, since Leicester have come up because their first game back in the Premier League was against Everton. I remember specifically I, you pointing it out saying, oh, Leicester, you're getting relegated they, here they based awful. on that performance. They were truly awful. They were like, this this team does not fit. And in fairness, it, until the last few games of the season, they were getting relegated. If you remember that first season. Yeah, they, they were bottom. Weren't they near bottom? Did they... Were they Christmas bottom of the league team? Yeah, they they're one of the last great escapes because they yeah. were they went on a like six match win streak at the end of the season, which saw them last to fourteenth. Uh, Nigel Pearson is it Nigel Pearson? Yeah, Nigel Pearson. Nigel yeah. Pearson had that plan the whole season that they're going to be in this position as long as they have, however, twenty points or something at this point of the season, they'll be fine because they'll win these last few matches. And he had this with the board before the season happened, and he said, "Oh, I have this plan the whole time." Yeah, the, the, and then um, and then that was the match where uh, Andrea Bocelli uh, serenaded the Leicester fans. After that, you know, Everton came out onto the pitch and lost three oh, yeah. 0 So they have this kind of this married, bond, yeah. uh, symbiotic relationship. Yeah, where Everton always are on the short end of the stick. Yeah, and it's happened again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we mentioned then uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. The pressure kind of mounts on him now. That was a pretty dismal performance. But does the pressure mount? Like all the all the words coming out of United is that you know the. Ed Woodward's behind him at the moment. They like what they see. They like that he's bringing through younger players. They understand the mitigating circumstances re- regarding kind of a lack of firepower up front, having Rashford as your main striker. Martial is just back now and he played well, relatively Ish, speaking. Yeah. Like he had some chances and, you know, everything else is a bit by the by. Like, I know him. I, like, if you're Manchester United right now and like obviously Everton are in the same boat and Arsenal are looking for a manager as well, You've raised this point before. Who did they go for? It is just the fact that Pochettino now, now hangs over yeah. Manchester United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That is, that is going to be what we talk about for the next yeah. six months. As long as Solskjaer is in charge, we're going to be talking Poch about Pochettino. Job. Yeah, exactly. See, I, I don't know why necessarily, unless Pochettino wants to stay in England, there is more uh, kind of luring, alluring jobs available. Like Bayern Munich for all that it's like you're probably going to win trophies you're going to compete for the Champions League you have a budget equal if not greater than Manchester United 
they're going to they have a new management structure in place they have a history of backing the manager when you know when they want when they want to like they backed Pep when he was a high profile manager and you know despite little disagreements here and there they would have kept him on Pochettino would get that at Real Madrid something similar because he is the kind of guy that you know well not a Madrista he is a guy that doesn't like Barcelona a guy who was manager of Espanyol a player there he, he is someone that you know could take them somewhere new after Zidane and similarly he's a former PSG player and maybe once this Thomas Tuchel experiment ends which I, I you know basically everything at PSG is an experiment until it ends uh, I think maybe that's something he can he can embed something more of a culture at the club which is what PSG really do want especially if they do get rid of Neymar so those jobs look a lot more attractive if I'm Pochettino then going into a complete rebuild job at Manchester United a job that would be worse and harder to do than the jobs that he inherited at either Southampton or at Spurs originally because remember Spurs are in the European places under Tim Sherwood Tim Sherwood had you know whatever you want to take assign his credit for he you know, young players had been blooded in the Tim Sherwood era and he continued that streak. He hadn't spent money. And then you go to Southampton and all the players that were at Southampton that are now every other club in the Premier League or beyond were all there already. So it's not like he's... He didn't inherit a complete basket case of a club or a mismanaged, imbalanced squad, which is the Manchester United situation and has really been it since probably the last season Ferguson was there. But the thing is, though, with with Bayern Munich, I, I question the kind of power dynamics there and how much that Pochettino will really suit that. Mm. And then at Real Madrid, I wonder... Like, it's a short-term job, but it's Real Madrid. Like. It is short-termist. I'm not sure how much he'd, he'd like that. And I'm not sure how much he'd like to handle both the politics and the egos at Real Madrid because, like, really, Pochettino isn't the kind of manager that Real Madrid actually do bring in. They normally go for a Zidane or... A, yeah. Uh, a Capello, like yeah. Era the last time they appointed a manager, maybe even Pellegrini, and even then it wasn't really. Pellegrini didn't really work out manager. either. Yeah. So it, it, I, I wonder, will they even come back in for him? Like where, uh, and Bayern have other options as well. Whereas I feel like at Manchester United, Pochettino is the number one guy. Yeah. He'll have all the power there, you know. He'll, obviously, Woodward will have a bit of power there, but you imagine Woodward will be like, okay, you want to do this, I'll help you do this. Yeah. To an I'm, extent. A technical director has to be appointed at Manchester United. It is a necessity at that club. They need someone with football experience. They're just so far behind the times now, yeah. which is ridiculous for a club that was so far ahead of the times mm. under the Ferguson era. Yeah. They, their fall has just been cataclysmic. Yeah. There is one other job that will likely come up at the end of the season as well, and that's probably Juventus, because... Sorry, staying for more than one season at Juventus doesn't seem likely. He's doing okay there. It is. It was a strange appointment and and not one that Juve normally make. But Pochettino going in there that would be an interesting one. Yeah. It w- it would be fun to have the likes of Pochettino, Klopp, Pep all move to Syria now is yeah. kind of the next big inevitable Cause transition. Y- you do wonder is that where Pep goes next at the very least, if not Klopp, PSG. Like. P- yeah, they they all manage PSG yeah. at the exact same time. Yeah, um, take off different weeks. Yeah, uh, and then Barcelona, I want to mention as well, they were playing in the Wanda Metropolitano on Sunday. They 1-1-0, Messi stepped up. Just, just Messi. Yeah, it, it's it's just interesting that he does this on the, the day before the Ballon d'Or uh, winners are announced, or the winner is announced, because uh, we don't quite know yet. I think it's announced an hour after we finish recording or whatever. Mm. But he is the, the favourite to win it with uh, Virgil van Dijk come second. Uh, there was a leak. He's the best player in the world. He, he is, yeah. he is. There, uh, but... You know, sometimes these players that elevate themselves for a year do tend to win it, uh, which is what we saw last year with yeah, Luka Modric. Luka Modric yeah. Even though Messi should have won it last year Messi as well. Messi should have won every one of the last. Like, and Ronaldo fans will come come in on this, but really, like, just because Ronaldo has won certain trophies, it's a team sport. Like, yeah, we could go into the whole irrelevance of individual awards in a team sport, like soccer, like football. But yeah, Messi is just the best and has been the best and probably will be the best for some time to come. Like I I would almost like it that um the rules of the Ballon d'Or would change so that you would have it that you're only allowed to win it once. Yeah, that's a, the the people have gone back into the past and done what it would look like yeah. if if they've done that. You do get some interesting results. Because even the last few years like Modric probably maybe, but if my you know, you kind of and there is such a focus on the big clubs as well that you miss out on like um, maybe more meagre achievements or more great achievements, but in more meagre circumstances. Like you don't have 
Jamie Vardy was never really in contention for any of these and at times he probably deserved to be in there Riyad Mahrez was never up high in the voting probably deserved to be up there um, Iniesta Zavi never got you know they never won it did they no I think at best they got second I think one year the, the three of them was was that Messi beat Iniesta and Xavi, Xavi I think that was 2011 that they all three of them were the top three yeah but so that's as close like, as they got yeah so that's what you're looking at you're kind of these players are overlooked and really they they were very good players you know Virgil van Dijk is going to be overlooked this season and you know you you can make well he is obviously not the best footballer in the world by any stretch of the imagination there's there's better players in the Liverpool team he did do something to that team to kind of elevate them some which we never thought that was obviously what Liverpool wanted to happen when they signed him. I don't think any of us ever thought it actually would happen and would have that like seismic impact that, okay, you bring this team from, you know, getting to Europa League final, kind of challenging for Champions League places in the league to winning a European Cup, you know, getting to the final, challenging for getting 97 points or whatever they ended up getting last season. And while that's not all down to Virgil van Dijk, he, is that, he was that missing cog in the puzzle that kind of brought them to that new level. And... You can you can make an argument that because of that he had such an effect and impact on a massive team that brought them to a huge trophy that yeah maybe maybe he is deserving of it but yeah as a sheer quality thing it's Messi all the way and, and Messi like even in the match against Atletico Madrid like he was very quiet for the majority of the match but then all it took was one moment yeah and he completely settled it like I was watching a clip there of the 80, uh, whatever eighty something minutes as well yeah very late in the game as well and I was watching a clip there of uh, a camera caught Simeone's reaction to the goal like in the build up to the goal he's kind of you can see he's trying to urge the players on you know sometimes when a manager heads the ball at the same yeah. time a real life player heads the ball he was kind of doing that yeah. but you know with his feet and him like kick Messi yeah. kick Messi but then once the goal goes in he's like yeah that happens that's Messi and he yeah. just applauds like yeah, that's, the, that's, that's like that's Diego Simeone like yeah. that's that's the standards that Messi man. sets that's a guy who ran onto a Champions League final pitch and challenges an opposing centre half to a fight yeah this you is know, a hard man to impress yes uh, and then like you, the thing is like this is not unique to, to Messi like this particular weekend like this is something he does on a regular basis like we, we've spoken as long as Valverde has been manager of Barcelona I especially but we both have I've criticised Barcelona for being a terrible side but it doesn't matter because they're going to win the league because they're, they have Messi like that is okay his, the first season I, they, I they weren't though they did very well in the league. They were impressive. They were dominant. They they they've drifted since then. Still won other leagues. I still think still they got were the Champions League semi final. I still think they were terrible that first season as well. How they got to thirty seven games where it was without like, defeat is ridiculous. Honestly, if Juventus, if Bayern Munich, if PSG, certainly, probably if any English side get to a semi final of the Champions League, this, even if they lost it, that it would be considered a successful season. So Barcelona is a different. A different animal. It just feels like they're they're wasting Messi, you know. Yeah, it does feel that, but that's the whole the whole side. And I think Valverde, it's inevitable that Valverde has to leave. But there's a lot of issues there with with, with Barcelona. And then finally, just the Euro 2020 draw took place this weekend, and you know they're just completely messing up the Euros. It's just such a waste. Like, what, what was the point you made? Three teams in the group of death will all go through. <laughs> yeah like the, it doesn't really matter it's so underwhelming I think France Portugal and Germany like two the two there'll last World Cup winners there'll be winners. draws in it I'd say and Sorry, they'll, say they'll probably draw with each other yeah and then they just need to beat I think it's Georgia or Kosovo exactly. will be the, the last team like they all will beat that team and then they'll, they'll draw with each other and they'll go through like it's just yeah, completely it's ridiculous basically you're, you're it's you're ruining you ruined the tournament because you complained that there weren't enough um, there were too many matches of no importance during you know the off years you know, that you have England beating Andorra 8-0 or whatever it was. And the tournament itself would be benefit from having these smaller, you know, different a different spectrum of nation in there. But now all you're doing is migrated the, the, the dead rubbers to the tournament and then made the actual football in the tournament worse as well as a result. Uh, uh, Miguel Delaney had a good piece on The Independent today and he made a good point that while it's important for Ukraine that they have qualified for a tournament for the first time or for a, a Euros for the first time, because obviously they hosted in 2012, yeah, but they, they didn't have to qualify for it. Yeah. This is the first time they've actually qualified for it. It doesn't mean what it meant to Slovenia in 2000. Yeah. It's not as big an achievement. When Ireland qualified in 2012, it meant a lot. They, yeah. they were terrible. When there was eight teams in it. But it they were terrible in 2012. Yeah. But it meant so much that they actually qualified. Whereas when they qualified for Euro 2016, it was a bit like, 
yeah, that that they, you know it would have been embarrassing not to. Yeah. And they weren't that much better in 2016 as a side than they were four years I, previously. Like, look at Scotland, a team that you know was barely was was treading water. You know, maybe getting to a playoff, maybe not under the old system. And now when they don't, they, it's humiliate. It's humiliation. You know, and they, they lose jobs over it. And it's like, well, you're not that much worse. You're pro- roughly the same, but it, me- it feels much worse not to qualify. I love football. Thank you. It's a big week of Premier League action uh, this week as all clubs play twice before next Monday. It's also a week that sees the debut of Amazon as a Premier League platform. How do we see uh, Amazon's big debut going? I'm very interested in it. They've signed a lot of they've signed a lot of top talent, <laughs> um, because they have. They've got a lot of people from different networks and different broadcasters. Um, I've completely blanked on them now. I remember them all having signed deals. I saw a bunch of them were like the BT. They basically had the BT team. Yeah, and a few other characters in there. A few like, oh my god, we need to get the names of these. Look up the Amazon Prime uh, sports people there. But I speak about yeah it's like i think it's very interesting because it's a new it's a new way of showing football certainly in this part of the world in europe because we don't have the style of football that you know football viewership that they have in the united states where you can watch any game you want at any time you want you have multi multi match viewing you can watch multiple games at the same time here generally speaking you have whatever matches sky or bt decide to put on super sunday or their morning or evening kickoffs on a saturday and that's it. You don't have anything else. So this is going to be an experiment to see if anyone really likes the having the multi-choice uh, viewing experience. And I think it might benefit everyone because when you think about one of the things that the the failing Sky Sports, for lack of a better phrase, obviously a billion dollar company or billion pound company, have uh, been bemoaning in recent years is the fall in advertising money because they're losing to digital and stuff like this and losing to alternative platforms. And part of that's because they can't guarantee viewership for all of their matches because no one's going to watch Burnley play Southampton, for instance, in, in, a, in a rainy winter's evening. Well, they will watch Chelsea versus Manchester United or they will watch you know a, a match with a big team involved. But if you sell advertising across the board and have all the matches on, you will maximise your viewership figures and you will maximise your, your, adver- your advertising revenue. And the matches are lined up in a weird way that they've never done before with midweek matches. So that I think it's on on Tuesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. First of all, yes, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and just Tuesday, Wednesday. But also Tuesday, uh, Bournemouth kick off at half seven in the opening game, and then at quarter past eight, and exactly forty five minutes later, uh, Burnley and Manchester City kick off in their match. So they they set it up so that you have that you can watch the whole first half of a match and then forget about it and move on to the next match. And the and match then, of least importance starts it. So it's like, oh, this is a bit... You're getting into the red zone stuff, which is in American parlance in the NFL, where you only watch... And we have it a bit at the, the European goals, goal, goals show. And, and they actually have set up this show as well. They have a, a show designed where there will be people sitting on a couch watching all the matches, and when goals go in, they'll, they'll move show, to yeah. that match. Yeah. Basically what they do for the goal show. Yeah, on and BT. That's, that's good. And like... Well, it's good and bad. You don't get the nuance of a whole match, but it's good if you're just trying to keep in, in contact with all the matches and you're watching something without deciding. Like, I have no real interest in all of these matches, so I might just put this on to see the goals in the background. It, it, it's an interesting... They, they are throwing, because they have limited availability this season, they are throwing a lot at one set of fixtures. Like Ideally, you would like to experiment with these a bit more and have them over a couple of weeks. You know, the way Sky do with Friday Night Football and it's kind of not really worked and they know that now, but they've experimented. They know what works and what doesn't work the same way they did for years on Monday Night Football, the same type of thing. But Amazon are kind of caught in this position where they're they're trialing all these uh, different kickoffs. Thursday Night Football, which depending on the city in, in England, it does like London Thursday Night Football does not suit well with anybody. Well, Arsenal, are, they're used to Thursday Night Football last few years. They will be hosting Brighton on Thursday. Yeah, and it kind of suits both, both because uh, Brighton's obviously not that far from London, so it's, it does suit the away supporters. So I'd say everyone's kind of, as you know, as fixture choices for the Thursday evening slot, it could have been a lot worse. Like, it could have been Newcastle versus Southampton, but it's not. Uh, but the the pundits you talk about there, they've got Alan Shearer, they've got Les Ferdinand, they've Michael Owen, they've brought in basically people from both BBC and... BT yeah. to come in. I was kind of hoping for a bit more, although I think they have brought in a few 
uh, people you wouldn't normally see on TV as well. They, they've also brought in Thierry Henry, Jermaine Genius, Peter Crouch, Roberto Martinez, Lee Dixon, Harry Redknapp, and Alex Scott. Yeah, they're, they're drawing from the different resources that have been available. Like obviously, the likes of Lee Dixon is on B, is on NBC, NBC most of the time. He's obviously not for this weekend because they have the full rights to it. The the various different players like they're coming from different avenues that a, a decent cross section like they're all names like you would prefer to maybe see a bit more kudos paid but again because it's an experimental week because it's the first time doing it they do not want to take chances on those aspects of it so it'll be fairly safe analysis i imagine nothing nothing's going to rock the boat they're not going to introduce a whole like sky sports vr decision making tool or the big board that they use on monday night football i'd say that's all going to be pushed to the side I hope they don't do the whole banter thing of like, oh, isn't this uh, interesting? Isn't this isn't this a great laugh? Let's bring on a referee and dress him up like a sumo wrestler. You know, that type of silliness. Because I don't think it's, you know, BT do it in the morning sometimes. Soccer AM were the, were the proponents of it for many years on Sky Sports. I hope they don't go that way with it. I'm more interested in, like you said, the 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 seven forty the seven forty five kickoff to the or seven thirty kickoff to the eight fifteen, which is an interesting invention coming from American sport, and hopefully get a bit more interest in the earlier match while you know maintaining a build up and something to do before the main event kicks off, and yeah, I'm interested in everything being simulcast. Like I know they split it over three days. I think that's not to anger the smaller clubs. Maybe that maybe might have been completely overlooked if you had all ten fixtures on at the same time. And that everyone would just watch the big matches and nothing else. Um, yeah, because yeah, we'll, we'll, on Wednesday then uh, there's six matches here, but five of them kick off at half seven, and then the big one is the Merseyside derby at quarter past eight. Yeah, but it gives you all, it gives everyone a choice around across the country. Do I want to watch my club play? Like name a few of the matches there on a like Leicester Watford. Like a, that's yeah, not a, it's, if that it's was on top, Sunday night, top versus bottom, you know. The second top. Second top versus... Are they bottom-bottom? Uh, I think Watford are bottom after yeah. they lost to Southampton. But Leicester-Watford, if that, that, that that's the kind of match that if it was on, like, say, Leicester-Everton yesterday, like it was on Sunday night, yeah. I'd be kind of like, uh, will I watch this or will I bother? But yeah. the fact that it's it, it's on for uh, for the Leicester fans, like, they will absolutely put that on. And, yeah. you know, they can have the goals, whatever equivalent of the goal show they have on so they can keep an eye on yeah. what Chelsea are doing, what Man- what's going on with Man United Spurs, which is probably the big game of the 7.30 kickoffs. And you have to remember, and I know this won't affect all viewers, but you you imagine if you have Amazon Prime for the purposes of this, because you need Amazon Prime to view these, you can get a free trial and everything and basically watch the Premier League for free, not that we're sponsored by Amazon Prime or anything. But if if you do, you can watch the, all these Premier League matches for free, effectively, if you do the free trial. And uh, and they'll have all the Boxing Day matches as well. Like They've been smart about this. Yeah. There are two packages that are under the one month, so they yeah. can get everyone in for that one month exactly. instead of... But you get to, the application is quite advanced. Amazon Prime isn't just a big, isn't just a little startup. It's one of the richest companies in the world, one of the biggest brands in the world. It has a video streaming platform system that's existed for years, both globally and specifically in the UK. They know what they're doing in terms of that infrastructure side of things, so they will be able to cope with the high demand and we the hope. high viewership. You hope. You think they would at this? They have the biggest like cloud infrastructure in the world, so you'd hope there would be no downtime on their service on on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday evenings. And maybe that's why they're separating it over the three days for the first test because they will have it all on one day and on after Christmas. They've been they've been working with the internet service providers in uh, the UK as well, which ironically I think one of them would be BT. BT would be the main one, yeah. Um, that's funny actually. I didn't think about that, but they've been working with them to make sure that the infra- internet structure in the UK is, yeah. is all. I think in up the longer term, standard. I wouldn't be surprised if BT and Amazon actually work a lot closer together, or BT and another web partner. I think I think there's a future in that. I think they can work and bring themselves closer together. But to bring it back to my original point with it you will be able to like have multiple matches on at the same time. It is an application that is compatible with a lot of devices, a tablet, a phone, people's televisions, games consoles, uh, Apple TVs, now TV boxes. This is an application that's available for all of these platforms. So you can put on multiple matches at the same time. It will get confusing, but you can do that. And it introduces a whole new audience that may not be that tech savvy or a bit tech savvy, but wouldn't be streaming matches often. Wouldn't be on the like eye players of this world wouldn't be on any you know the sky sports players of this world and could introduce them that whole new way of doing things and maybe bring a new audience introduce a new audience to these new tools that maybe be the future the same way that sky kind of did in the 90s with satellite football 
And then, like, just as someone who has actually used this service, it is quite interesting. Like, I, one of my pro tips for this would be to use it on a, a PlayStation or an Xbox if you can. Because in my experience, it's worked very well whenever I've used my PlayStation for it over as opposed to a laptop. Just yeah. And it's an easier way to get it onto your TV as well than, say, plugging a HDMI cable into your laptop or whatever. Uh, but I, I, from my experience, it has worked pretty well because uh, I watched the US Open quite a lot on it last year. It was very easy to move from one stream to another because, you know, if one tennis match is on, another tennis match is on. It's very easy to watch both at the same time or yeah. if one's finished, moving on to the next one and it's very seamless in like that way. The application works better than probably any of the other, like bar something like YouTube or a, a, a site that's, whose reason for existing is video viewing. It probably works as well as as well as the BBC iPlayer, as well as uh, Sky Sports Player, as well as any of those apps, easily. The picture quality is fine. Like you, you barely notice the difference between watching it, knowing you're streaming it, and watching it live through a TV feed. Like it, it, the difference is negligible, really, except for you know there's a slight delay, even more so than you would have on a satellite. Like sometimes you're maybe 20 seconds behind instead of 10 seconds behind yeah. or whatever. Uh, you don't notice if you're watching the match. Yeah, you, you, you only notice that if you check. The, if you check Twitter and you yeah. see a journalist at the match has said oh there's a goal and you're like yeah. no there hasn't oh, oh there it is yeah. you know that kind of thing uh, but I, like with with Amazon like I think this is this is a big step forward for you know the Premier League this is something we've wanted for the last few years we've wanted someone to challenge the likes of Sky and the likes of BT we've wanted something different because uh, having actually used the Now TV app a lot this season, it is uh, the fact that streaming has come in in some form is is quite useful because it's not something like not everyone these days has a TV or wants to sit down on a couch or and watch a TV. Fifty euro a month or fifty pounds a month. On yeah, like that. That is the thing. Services. Like you mentioned, how you can get this for free on Amazon Prime, and again, we are not sponsored by Amazon no. Prime. Though, if Amazon Prime or Amazon Absolutely. are listening, we'll take it. Uh, but the fact that it is free means that it's so much more accessible to people. And actually, I was reading about it today on again on the Athletic. Actually, that they they were a little they are a little concerned at Amazon about you know everything going wrong. But that's only because they've they've compared it to the nerves you feel on a cup final day or something yeah. it's not like oh Wait we know this is going to go wrong it's like oh yeah. you know we don't know until it has happened yeah. that it they has gone know, well they can do as many stress tests as they want but until they're actually in reality and until it's like it, it's they're going to have to have everyone at work on a, when, a Tuesday night a Wednesday night and a Thursday night and if by Thursday night someone's tired or something mistakes get made it'll be just as, as damaging as if it happened on Tuesday night uh, but the fact that they have been able to practice with the US Open, which will maybe not get the same viewership as maybe this this Premier League will, the, it is still a valuable experience for them as a as a streaming service. And the fact that they are coming in with such a competitive price point, point because even without it, it's it's what seven ninety nine a month, yeah. I think. Or, so yeah, I think it might be a ten. Well, so, yeah, it's some. It's, it's something significantly cheaper yeah. than it is to watch on Sky or BT, let alone Sky and BT. Yeah. Because I actually took advantage of a Black Friday sale on Now TV to get uh, all the sports channels for sixty quid over two months. But that's still thirty quid a month, really. Yeah. And it's and I'm only doing it for two months. I wouldn't do that for a full season yeah. either. Like that is that's so much, especially when you compare it to the likes of even Netflix or Spotify yeah, Netflix or and Spotify. yeah. And this is the future. Like this is what everyone's. I'm more excited by the fact, and I believe this will be, way, ratings are going to be down, and I doubt Amazon are going to publish, unless it turns out that they're better than Monday Night Football or something like that, which is unlikely. I think ratings will be way down on what a normal midweek is going to be, because a lot of people don't even know about this. A lot of people, normal, casual football viewers who might throw on the old match of the day on the midweek, or might throw on... If it's on, if they have Sky Sports, might throw on a match on Sky Sports. Won't even know about this week and how Amazon have all exclusive rights to it. But it'll be it's it's so interesting to just see where everything could go. Like the, the years now, it's been year, probably near a decade. As Sky and BT and all the sports broadcasters have been leeching, or their viewers have leached away for for better as to use a better phrase, to streaming platforms to pirating because it's more convenient, it's cheaper. It's easier to use. But music had this in the early 2000s. Uh, video had it uh, like once kind of the, the DVD market cooled down and before the rise of streaming, where people didn't want to have to go and buy a DVD to watch a movie. They wanted to just, they could download it for free and watch it. You but wouldn't you saw steal when a car. Put, 
You saw when exactly you saw when they put in like free or not free. Sorry, you put they put in usable, user friendly platforms that cost a little bit of money. People very quickly migrated away from that illegal use, i.e., streaming, i.e., downloading torrents or anything like that, and migrated to the new platform of you know watching on a laptop, watching, uh, eventually moving to the likes of Now TV, the, of, of Roku boxes, of uh, Apple TVs, of Chromecast, and watching on a television. And I think this is only a good thing for football fans because eventually it will move people towards watching on one of these devices and then everyone having the choice of watching whatever match whenever they want it because that's inevitable as well with these services. No one's going to just sit and watch some useless match because that they're not interested in because Sky have put it on. They'll want to watch the match they want to watch because they've been used to it. They've been video on demand, YouTube, uh Netflix, all of these services have conditioned people to be that way. And I think that's the inevitability coming out of this. I think this is the first step into a brave new world of streaming live sport and live football on the internet. And it's actually interesting to note that some someone that's actually well ahead of the curve is someone we've mentioned on this show very briefly in the past, but it's Vince McMahon. Yes. Because uh, it was 2013, no, to that early 2014, five years ago now that they launched the, the WWE Network, which... Yeah. At the time, did not launch spectacularly. Yeah, the there was a, there was a, yeah, it was a, it was the dearth of content. There was a concern that things wouldn't work when they actually started. Like there, I think WrestleMania that year's WrestleMania was the first big event that they showed, and it didn't particularly go well with everyone. Like a, you know, streams hitching and all stuff like that, and yeah. video quality not being up to standard. But five years on, and you know, the WWE Network is the same price as it launched with. I think it's twelve ninety nine here in Ireland and nine ninety nine in America. But it is it is significantly cheaper than what the alternative was, which was paying sixty dollars for a pay per view. And on top of that, there's more content. There's more of it online. Like it's on all the time. Like it's twenty four seven. You know, maybe that's a bad thing in one way because it ruins our attention spans. But yeah. But it is the way forward. Like they've got, and not only that, but they have an incredible archive yeah. of all the previous stuff. So imagine if there was a twenty four seven Premier League network. Like great, the like the Sky match, Premier the, League. Yeah. <laughs> basically but something you can access all the time and with a bit more a bit better archival footage put and into value it. for money more better value for money and more without the the huge overhead because like you said now tv even with the lack of you don't have to have a a, a satellite dish outside you don't need to have a, a separate subscription to sky or a separate subscription to bt to get now tv and get the the games you want on it and it's still costing you a fortune and reality that shouldn't those costs shouldn't be passed on to the consumer at that level because you're paying for the infrastructure that's been put in to support all these other customers who want television. You just want to watch the matches that can be beamed directly to your laptop or to your console and that should be all you pay for. And I think Amazon are definitely of that mind and I think if others get into the marketplace as well, maybe it'll result in clubs in England getting a lot less money over time eventually once the market contracts a bit, but maybe it'll be a bit more sustainable and I think a bit more consumer-friendly. Yeah, and and you have to imagine that the likes of Netflix and, and other such providers will be keeping a keen eye on how Amazon do Absolutely. this week, and and will be interested to know what their viewing figures were, even if that isn't released. Like YouTube, they've been showing the Champions League final in association with BT the last few years. Have been very interested in 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 what's going on with Amazon. I think Facebook Video are also very interested in potential future acquisitions of television broadcasting rights to sport in in the UK and abroad and beyond, rather. So it's a it's a very interesting week to see just what happens if it all fails. Don't like don't get me wrong. If it's complete and utter failure on Tuesday, I don't think that's the end of this. No, and sure. Amazon 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 have signed into a three year deal. Yeah. They're going to do this twice a season for the next three years. So they, even if it fails, they will. Uh, it will be used as uh, a learning yeah. process, and we will get it a look at another look at it on uh, Boxing Day on twenty sixth of December. So it will be interesting. Uh, and then just, I suppose, to close the show, how do you see these actual fixtures going themselves I, this week? And that's the interesting thing, because Amazon picked these fixture lists, assuming they would be in, of importance. Obviously, the Merseyside Derby is in there. But I don't see any surprises in these matches at all. I think this could be Marco Silva's last or second last game as Everton boss, losing to Liverpool, most likely, just because Liverpool are on that run. I see Man City have to win to keep pace even with Leicester, let alone with, with Liverpool on top of the league. I have to say even the struggling sides, the Manchester United, Arsenal, they have to win these as well. Well, the fact that uh, Man United are playing Spurs makes it an interesting because one of those teams will have to drop points. Yes. 
so how do you see like Man United have struggled, but they have done uh, their best performances under Solskjaer have been in the bigger games. You want to say a draw just because of the individuals involved and how they love a good draw against the former club. Uh, but yeah, I, I have to say Manchester United because Spurs have been riding their luck the last two matches and United have tended to show up in these bigger matches so far this season. And, and like we criticise Rashford for maybe not scoring enough goals, but he is someone that will pop up in a big game. Like yeah, he did it he against loves, Tottenham last year. Yeah, and he doesn't like Jose Mourinho, so... <laughs> no, like the main no players will have a point to prove as well. Yeah. So I think that'll be interesting as well. We'll see. Like Mourinho, as I said, does love a draw against a former club and he would love to get one over Manchester United, I think. And then we, we've got weekend games as well coming up a more traditional weekend of football. Everton-Chelsea uh, on Saturday. Could Again, be Marco Mar- Silva's. One of them will be Marco Silva's last match. It's whether you want to have David Unsworth in on Saturday or on uh, the following week. Uh, Man City, Man United, like you have to imagine, is what we, even though even despite what we just said about Man United showing up in the big games, you have to imagine Man City at home yeah, will be the heavy again, favorites. Have to, as as Phil Foden said, they have to win every game between now and the end of the season. That it's part of my reasoning for thinking they'll win against Spurs because if they don't, Solskjaer is in serious trouble to lose because he's just beyond such a run that you you can't come back from. Like, like the, l- likely if they if they fail to get results out of the next two matches, they'll probably their Champions League hopes are dead. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and it'll be hard to really see what the point is in keeping yeah. Solskjaer with Pochettino right there. Hmm? Eighteen points after what? Twenty. Twenty match. It'll be not quite twenty matches, but it'll be sixteen matches after it was only this. Sixteen. Yeah, after the, after these two games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was higher than that for some reason after these two. But yeah, you see, that's that's barely a point a game. Like that's relegation points. for most seasons. Yeah. Like yeah, it really is because nearly halfway through the season, and you're only you don't even have twenty points. Yeah, like it's grim. It's the worst of the. Are Spurs level? United now. Uh, Spurs, I think, are up now. To f- I think they are fifth. Yeah, they're ahead of the Arsenal, and Man United, kind of holding down that mid table. Yeah. Somehow people aren't overtaking them. Keep drawing matches. Uh, so it'll be an interesting week ahead to see how Amazon do, and then obviously big games uh, to watch as well. Because even though you know Liverpool should beat Everton, it is still a, a big match. The Merseyside derby. Yeah. Uh, Man United Tottenham should be interesting and, and the Manchester Derby as well will be a big one so a lot to talk about next week uh, as we return thank you for being here Andrew thank you and good evening uh, and good evening to you listener and we'll be back again next week thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show spread the word of the Total Football Takeover you can also follow us on social media at the TF Pod on Twitter and Total Football Pod on Instagram You can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. The more the merrier. That's what we always say.